Season 1, Episode 2 of Black History Moments. This episode is the story of Annie Turnbull Malone. Now, Annie Turnbull Malone may actually have been the first black woman to become a self-made millionaire here in the United States, despite the narrative that Madam C.J. Walker was the first black woman to become a self-made millionaire. So I hope that you all will stay tuned to this episode to learn her story and everything that encompasses her. And I hope that you all will subscribe and also share this podcast with your family, with your friends. And by the way, my name is Shakira, and thank you for joining me of another week of Black History Moments. Now, what initially caused me to be drawn to Annie Turnbull Malone's story was when I was doing a Black History Moments series on my Instagram page during Black History Month. And she was one of the people that I came across her story. I had never heard of her before February of 2020. So she was still very new to me. And I read her story and it just really caught me off guard how much she has been erased from history and how much we don't talk about her. Even when we talk about Madam C.J. Walker, we talk about a lot of her accomplishments and the things that she did without acknowledging Annie's place in Madam C.J. Walker's success. So that was initially what um, drew me to her story. And then not too long after that, Netflix released the miniseries, which was a documentation of Madam C.J. Walker's life. Now, to be fair, the series was a limited series that was a dramatization. So it was not based on all facts. It was sensationalized a bit a lot. (laughs) Um, But I still enjoyed it nonetheless. So I figured that it would be great if I discussed Annie's story more in depth here on the podcast to give you her real story and to also kind of clear up her name and her image that many people may have associated with her due to the miniseries, even though that's not how she was. So that is why we're going to talk about her today. I'm going to give you her story and tell you just how much of a boss she was despite um, the caricature that was displayed in Netflix's self-made series on Madam C.J. Walker. All right, so let's hop right into Annie's story. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Annie was born in 1869 to two former slaves. Her parents' names were Roger and Isabella Turnbow. So again, her name is Annie Turnbow Malone. Malone due to the marriage that she had a little bit later, but we will get to that. Annie had a super duper large family. She was the 10th of 11 children. So can you imagine that? Like I can't even imagine... (laughs) growing up with that many siblings but she was almost the baby of her family but not quite she was the second to last the 10th child that was born and again her parents were former slaves so tragically when Annie was just a toddler both of her parents fell ill and they died very close to each other um the time frame was very close to each other so she was young didn't really know her parents you know growing up Her sisters took care of her. So after her parents died, her sisters took on that responsibility of raising her. And I'm assuming the youngest sibling after her, just taking care of them as you would, you know, if something like that tragic were to happen to you. And one sister in particular was 
Ada or Ada Moody. I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but it is spelled A-D-A Moody. That was her sister, her older sister that took care of her when she moved to Peoria, Illinois. Excuse me if I am butchering the pronunciation. So while Annie is growing up, she loves playing in her sister's hair. Like, I remember being a child, you know, back then we had like doll heads that you can play with. But I also remember like playing in my mother's hair or anyone else's hair that I could get in at the time. So she had all of these sisters and she really enjoyed playing with their hair growing up as a young girl. So when she is in high school... Annie starts to get sick, like sick to the point that she misses a whole lot of school. She ends up having to drop out of high school. And that is one of the inconsistencies that was within the Netflix limited series because there was a line. Granted, I watched this episode, these episodes um, weeks ago, so I can't remember specifically what the line was. But I remember in particular, there was a line that in the series, her name is Addie, but her name was Annie, where she said um, something about being like college educated or something like that. But the real Annie Turnbull Malone was actually a high school dropout because she was ill and she was not able to go to school as often as her counterparts. So even though she was not, you know, a high school graduate she was a high school dropout she still felt a love for chemistry science she loved science and she would work with one of her aunts who was an herbalist and she taught her a lot about different um, chemicals different things that she could mix together natural ingredients right in the kitchen right in the comfort of her own home Annie took advantage of everything that she was learning from people when it came to these different ingredients and chemistry and everything that she was learning on her own. She took advantage of the world's natural resources and she started creating hair products. Now, keep in mind, this is the early 1900s. They don't have Shea Moisture. They don't have Cantu. They don't have Carol's Daughter. They don't have cream of nature. They have what they are working with at the time. So at this time, black women were using butter. They were using baking grease. Yes, baking grease. They were using heavy oils to straighten their hair because at this time, remember, you know, to look socially acceptable or if you wanted to seem elite or even to just get a job, you had to straighten your hair or make your hair I'm using air quotes, look acceptable or socially acceptable at this time. So women were using these damaging products. Oh my gosh, bacon grease. I can't even imagine, but they were using these products to straighten their hair, but these products were damaging their hair at the same time. So Annie is like, Hey, I have a genius idea. Let me create something. I already love chemistry. I already love experimenting with these different things and I love hair. So let me find a great mixture of products that will help um, straighten our hair without damaging it or causing harm to our scalp. And that is what she came up with with her Miracle Hair Grower, which was one of her very first products. All right, great. So she has this product. I'm sure at this time she is testing it on herself, testing it on her sisters and anyone else that she could get her hands on at the time. And she's noticing that it is making a difference in black women's hair. 
and being the future budding entrepreneur businesswoman that she is, she decides that it is not um it's not smart to stay where she is with this product. This there's something bigger here. There is a larger market for what she has to sell. So in 1902, she moves to St. Louis, Missouri, because there they had a budding, um, a growing population of black people, working class black people. So she's like, okay, St. Louis, Missouri sounds good. Now, what also aided into her deciding to move to St. Louis was the fact that in 1904, they were going to have the World's Fair. So the World's Fair was just this like basically an open kind of storefront. I think of it kind of like a flea market present day, but like an open kind of area with a lot of vendors, a lot of businesses, and a lot of customers that will be walking through. You have access to so many people. So it was a smart business move on her behalf. And she decided to go two years prior so she can kind of get her footing, um, get used to the people in the area, that kind of thing. So she gets there and she has two assistants at the time and her and her assistants will go door to door. They will offer demonstrations to the women um, of the homes that they were knocking on and tell them about this product that she has and how this product would be better than what they were using currently. And she will also be selling not only her hair grower, but she will be selling straightening combs. Now, I do want to clarify this because there are a lot of people that don't know this. I didn't know this until two months ago, but um, it is a common misconception that the straightening comb, the hot comb was patented by Madam C.J. Walker, but that is, however, incorrect. And it wasn't patented by um, Annie Turnbull Malone either. It was actually patented years prior by a Frenchman to help um, Caucasian women achieve these like sleek bobs with their hair they called them Cleopatra style bobs at the time so they were just like early um adapters I guess of the straightening comb but they didn't actually come up with the straightening comb so she would be knocking door to door selling these straightening combs selling her hair products and just really getting her business off the ground it was awesome it was awesome at the same time she meets um, Sarah Walker. So Sarah Walker, remember, is Madam C.J. Walker's name before she adapted the Madam C.J. Walker persona after getting married to her second husband. So unlike the limited series where Madam C.J. Walker was doing her laundry and she like begs her to sell her hair products, that's actually untrue. Madam C.J. Walker was one of Annie Malone's first employees with selling the products. And she found, it's not clear how they met each other, but I've seen a few stories that have said that Madam C.J. Walker found Annie Malone after hearing about her products. And it is true that Madam C.J. Walker was having issues with her hair. She was having issues with growing her hair. She was having scalp problems. So she started using Annie's product and it helped her out a lot. And she was just like, okay, girl, well, you can help me sell these products too. So she was actually one of her very first employees, unlike the limited series made us believe. So 1904 rolls around. Again, this is the World Fair time. And it's a hit. Her products are a hit. And 
Around the same time, her and Madam C.J. Walker have a falling out. It's not clear why they fell out. They don't know if it was a dispute, a confrontation, just a regular you go your way, I go mine kind of deal. But they fell out around the same time. At this time, Madam C.J. Walker moves to Denver. Keep that in mind. Annie is still in St. Louis, Missouri. So she's in St. Louis. Business is taking off. And after the positive response that she had gotten from the World Trade, um, the World's Fair. I don't know where I'm going with World Trade, but the World's Fair. She um, trademarks this Poro company, which was or soon was to become Poro College. But before we get to the story of the Poro College or Poro Beauty School, let's just put a pin in this really quickly. So Madam CJ Walker moves and she starts selling her own hair products. And it is without question that Madam CJ Walker modeled these hair products after Annie Turnbull Malone's hair products. It's crazy, but um, one of Annie's first products, remember, was what she named the Wonderful Hair Grower. Madam C.J. Walker moves and names one of her products the Wonderful Hair Grower. So you can see where there could have been some confusion there. If people were familiar with Annie's products, they could have mistaken um, Madam C.J. Walker's products to be Annie's because they had the same name. Annie was furious. I'm not going to lie. She was furious at the time, as anyone would be when you have put your hard time and money um, into something and your time, your effort. Like this is your baby, your craft. When you've put your all into something like that and then you see that someone else is doing the same thing and calling it by the same name. It just made it that much worse. So Annie is furious and she actually takes out a newspaper ad and the newspaper ad was for the Colorado Statesman at the time. And she warned readers to, quote, beware of imitations because she was referring to Madam C.J. Walker's products that were not her products. And that's kind of the extent of the beef between Annie Turnbull Malone and Madam C.J. Walker. It kind of went, you know, through newspaper ads, not as deep as the limited series made it out to be. But yeah, now I don't want to make this about Madam C.J. Walker because I want this to be about Annie Turnbull Malone and her story. So in 1906, Annie, she trademarks her company's name, which is Poro, that is P-O-R-O. Not sure whether Poro was a reference to a West African organization that was devoted to disciplining and enhancing the body because Annie was deep into really taking care of your inside and your inside being a reflection of your outside because one of her slogans dealt with the fact that when you have a clean body inside your scalp will be clean you will have healthier hair but Poro could have also been a nod to her name it could have been a combination of her surname from her first marriage which was Pope and her sister's name which was Roberts so it could have been you know a combination of the two not sure where the name Poro came from but that's what it was at the time so she cop she not not copyrights it she trademarks the company name and in 1918 she establishes the Poro Beauty School now y'all 
this is big. This is huge because at this time in 1918, the Poro Beauty School was the first cosmetology school that specialized in black hair. It was huge. It was big. Now she had 175 employees and she used this beauty school to launch many careers of the women and people that came through those doors. So one thing that is important to remember is that at this time in St. Louis, women were barred from working jobs, jobs, like women had to work domestic jobs. And Annie basically placed it upon herself to say, "Mm -mm, not on my watch, we're not going for that. She helped launch the career of so many women, um, whether they went on to just do hair, whether they went on to create and sell their own products, whether they went on to open their own salons and personal businesses, Annie helped to catapult those women's careers. And as I'm sure you can gather from what I've already shared with you, Annie was definitely socially conscious. She wanted to help uplift black people and the black race. So the Pearl College was located smack dab in the middle of the predominantly black neighborhood at the time. And it was located in the neighborhood called The Ville. They called it The Ville. And for them, it was more than just a beauty school. It was more than just a cosmetology school. They called it, quote, a center of community activity. They not only had like these, um, beauty driven cosmetology driven kind of things there but they also had social events there they also met for social activism there the school was huge and at the time the complex it cost about five hundred thousand dollars five hundred thousand dollars to build now I don't know about you but five hundred thousand dollars is still a lot to me today. So can you imagine her spending $500,000 back in the early 1900s to create this complex, to build this school? It's amazing. It's amazing. So the school had classrooms. It had a factory that produced her products, her hair care products. It had sewing rooms. It had barber shops. It had dining halls. It had a gymnasium, a bakery, a chapel. They had a garden on the rooftop. They had a rooftop garden. They had a 500-seat auditorium. So this complex was huge, and you can just imagine how many lives this complex touched. It's crazy. It's crazy. And they refer to it as a family, the Poro family. And I can only imagine at the time, um, you know, with all of the social activities, all of the classes and things that they had going on at the Poro College, just how important it was to community activism and outreach at the time. I can only, only, only imagine. So, 1927 rolls around and a tornado comes sweeping through St. Louis and it devastates the area, devastates it. Now, Poro College stepped in. They became a rescue center that sheltered people. Um, They fed over 5,000 people in need. They clothed them. They took care of them during this time of tragedy. And Poro College's um, ideals of beauty, personal beauty and tidiness, self-respect, thrift and industry is spread to other cities in the United States. 
other ones. It's crazy. They had over 32 schools throughout the United States and had over 75,000 women who were agents around not only the United States, but the world. They had women in South America, in Africa, in the Philippines, who were all agents of the Pearl College, helping to spread awareness of Annie's products and just her ideals of how she felt women, not only women, but black people could lift each other up during this time. So in 1930, she relocated to Chicago, but she relocated because here we go. We're going to talk about this husband for a little bit. So remember I told you that she married um, a man. His name was Aaron E. Malone. He was a principal at a St. Louis school and they married in 1914. Well, 1927 comes at this time. Malone is sitting on a multi-billion dollar industry, okay? So she has money. And now it's time for a divorce. I'm not sure what the cause for the divorce was, but I did find that he is the one who filed for the divorce. And at this time, Annie is a figure in the community. Like with black and white people, she is a pivotal figure. So it was a very high profile dispute that they were having with this divorce. He was demanding half of everything she owned, half of the business, everything. He felt like he deserved to have half of it. He ended up not getting half. He ended up having um, $200,000 paid to him by Annie. And that is why she relocated to Chicago in 1930, because she just felt like it was time for a fresh start just to get away from, you know, everything that was happening with the divorce and things like that, she was like, okay, it's time to go. It's time for new territory. So she moves, and that may have been a bad move for Annie, but here's what happened. In 1929, the stock market crashed, and her company suffered from not only the stock market crashing, but a series of lawsuits. In addition to the divorce, Annie also had um, a disgruntled past agent who worked for her who also sued her I'm not sure what the discussion was like why that person was suing her but they did and she ended up having to pay them and it was just a series of lawsuits and battles and she ended up losing a whole lot of money but she still remained in business which was amazing <laughs> like just hearing about how much money she was losing at the time and how she still remained in business was admirable so it's said that at the time, Annie was worth over $14 million. This was back in 19, the 1920s, y'all. She was worth over $14 million. Now, adjusted to 2020, she would have been worth $259 million. However, one of her descendants said that um, it may not be true that she was worth that much because of the records the Poro College didn't keep detailed records on the money that was coming and going in and out of the college. But just looking at pictures of Poro College, I can see, you know, her being worth that much at the time. 
and just how much she was selling and the business ventures that she had going. So in addition to Poro College and her being an advocate for women and men to start their own businesses, to go out there and branch out on their own, Annie was also one who was really into philanthropy. So she donated to Howard University. She donated to Tuskegee and other HBCUs. She donated to the St. Louis Pine Street YMCA. She donated to the St. Louis Colored Children's Home. And today that children's home has her name. And she just gave out so much of her money. One of her thought processes was that it's better to use the money to help other people than to just hold on to it. And I find that admirable as well because it's very hard to find people that are not so held up and just holding on to their money, right? And who believe in just dishing it out to those that need it the most and believing that it will come back. And I truly do believe that. So I look up to her and she also, there's a rumor, word on the street is that Annie, you know, in addition to her doing philanthropy at these different schools, institutions, these group homes, the YMCA, she was also very, very nice to her employees. So word on the street is that she gave diamond rings to her agents who had been at her company for over five years. And she also rewarded people that worked at her um, agency in the Poro College when they saved their money. So she would give them money for showing her that they were saving their money. Like, can you imagine someone giving you money for saving your own money? Like, that is wild to me. But... After all of this stuff started happening, after the stock market crashed, after the divorce, after these hefty lawsuits, um, she kind of went down a little bit, but she still, you know, had the Poro College. And in 1943, she owed the government $100,000 for unpaid real estate and some taxes. This was according to an article by the University of Illinois. And in 1951, the government seized Poro. So they took Poro away from her. And it kind of went downhill there, but she lived a very long life. She lived to the age of 87. And although we don't give her enough credit, we don't talk about her enough, we always talk about Madam C.J. Walker. Um, Annie Turnbull Malone was a very pivotal figure in the community not only in st louis missouri back then but she is key to a lot of things now with our hair with black hair care with cosmetology schools being that she created the first cosmetology school that was dedicated to black hair care so even just thinking about the black cosmetology schools now Annie is the reason those schools exist. She is the first person to make one, to create one, to have doors open for people within the community and just encourage them to want more and do more for themselves, for their family, and for the community at large. And I salute her because that is amazing. With that being said, thank you for joining me for another week in Black History Moments. I hope that you learned something new, and I also hope that you will share this podcast, not only this podcast, but this podcast episode with your family, friends, on your Instagram story, 
however you see fit. You can follow us on Instagram at Black History Moments or on Twitter at Black History Pod. And remember that you too are Black History. Bye, guys. See you next week.